it puts the lotion on its yeah, skin. Say, is this yeah. a silence of lamb, please? <laughs> <laughs> no. No, 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 no. This is Fast Times at Richmond High. It's there. It's that as well, but it puts no the lotion sure. on its skin is a much no better movie. Shoes. No dies. <laughs> you have found the training camp report. I'm Dale Lally here with Mike Pursuta and Matt Williamson. Uh, lots of stuff to get to today as the Steelers conclu- uh, concluded their second padded practice of uh, this training camp today. And uh, some bad news rolling out of Steelers training camp. Uh, Kevin Dotson uh, suffering a, an apparent left knee injury that uh, will sideline him. We'll see how long that will be. And then uh, tight end Dax Raymond uh, suffering a sprained ankle today, uh, those being the two big injuries to come out of this. The Dotson injury uh, is one that uh, obviously is a much bigger deal. Uh, it looks like it could be a much worse injury. And, Mike, uh, I know a lot of Steeler fans wanted to see him compete for a starting job. That wasn't going to happen this year, but certainly um, – you know that that's a that's a big blow to the uh, young man. Apparently, and and potentially, although uh, it, it became something of a story, uh, just to kind of set the mood for you, since it was addressed in the uh, practice report, uh, the pool report, and again by Mike Tomlin afterward. Uh, Dotson went down and he stayed down, and he was being attended to while the drills moved to a part of the field where there wasn't a guy lying on the field injured and uh, eventually he got up and he didn't need to be carted off. He was helped off by one of his teammates and a trainer. And the teammate was none other than quarterback Ben Roethlisberger. And it was uh, really interesting uh, and and appropriate in a way that uh, we had heard from Vance McDonald shortly after noon today. And and one of the things Vance was just uh, raving about was Roethlisberger's leadership and how guys are flocking to him. And then uh, Mike Tomlin was asked about the uh, franchise slash probable future Hall of Fame quarterback helping the rookie guard off the field when the rookie guard got injured. Here was uh, Mike Tomlin's uh, response. He's a teammate, man. He's been there. He has been down on the field before. He knows the fear associated with that. Dotson is a young guy trying to make this football team. Oftentimes, the fear of the injury is worse than the injury itself. He, being Roethlisberger, is just doing what considerate, thoughtful leaders do in terms of helping him work through that. Obviously, the medical experts handled the injury itself, but a guy in his position, again, Roethlisberger's, can relate to some of the things that emotionally Dotson is feeling when faced with what he was faced with today. And, I mean, you know, Ben came over and and was checking it out, and uh, Dotson uh, had his arm uh, around Roethlisberger and the trainers. They escorted him off. And uh, just another example, guys, uh, you know, not to minimize what happened to Dotson, but this camp in many ways is all about number seven. And uh, it's it, so far, at least, it's only been a couple of days in pads that we've been able to go there and watch it. But uh, it's been about number seven in just about every way imaginable. Seems like he's embracing it. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I, I think when you – consider uh, there's nobody else on this roster anymore that's been with this team before 2010. Um, wow, yeah. You know, Ben Roethlisberger in 2010 had already won two Super Bowls. <laughs> he was already, uh, you know, an established NFL uh, star. And, you know, these guys have grown up watching this guy. It's almost a, a Tom Brady-like situation now for Roethlisberger with this Steelers team. Um, 
there's a lot of young guys on this roster and a lot of guys who are looking to him to be that guy, to be the guy who, you know, leads by example, leads, you know, sure. by everything he does on the field. And, and as Mike said, he's embraced it. I mean, how old was Dotson in Ben's rookie year? Like four, <laughs> you know. What I mean? Yeah, something I mean, like I mean, his whole life he's seen Ben as a Steeler. You know, watching anytime on TV on Sundays. Yeah, know? you're you're 17 years into this. I mean, these guys have have, uh, have grown up watching you play football at the NFL level, and and uh, you know that that has some gravitas that comes along with it. Uh, but you earn even more by being that teammate, that being being that guy on the field. No question. And that's a guy, Dale. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, didn't Dodson say he grew up a Steelers fan? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and one of the one of the things he really liked about getting drafted by the Steelers was the chance to play with Ben Roethlisberger. I don't know if he ever uh, had that conversation with Roethlisberger. Sometimes the rookies don't talk to Roethlisberger, right? For yeah. some for some time, if at all. I, I don't know if those two have talked about that. I can't remember Ben commenting on it, but uh, you know, uh, I wonder uh, if that was in fact somewhat of a comfort to Dotson, we don't know how serious that injury is. Mike Tomlin said that both Dotson and Raymond were being evaluated. Dale, you know, you know how camp injuries go, Matt, you do too. I'm sure you guys have both seen your share. You know, sometimes a guy walks off and he, he seems like he's fine and, and that's it. And, and sometimes they have to bring the card out, but it's, it's in the end, not that big a deal. Uh, just have to wait and see. But to, to your point, Dale, uh, I was getting questions about Kevin Dotson on Steelers.com today. Does he have a chance to start? I think people are really fired up about this kid. Uh, just not in a season where they're returning as many guys as they're returning, where they went out and, and signed a pretty significant veteran addition in Steven Wisniewski. And, and last but certainly not least, not in a season where you get no rookie minicamp, no OTAs, no veteran minicamp. No offseason, nothing until only recently. Yeah, I think, you know, Steeler fans, you know, who, who were, were hoping that he would start, um, this is not the season to do that. This is not no, the season right. where you want to have to be starting rookies. I don't know if you saw this one. Um, you know, the Steelers kind of dodging the bullet here. Mac Wilson went down today for the Browns and was carted off the, the well, field. Well, was he really? Was uh, a lot of people you know, Artie Burns right suffered a, a torn ACL at the Browns – or, I'm sorry, Bears practice. So – uh, you know, guys are going down across the league here, and you you don't want it to be any of your frontline guys. And I think that's why we've seen, especially early on here, Mike. Uh, you know, David DeCastro, uh, he's missed the first two days. I'm sure there's a legitimate injury there of some type. But Al Villanueva given the day off today. Joe Hayden given the day off today. Uh, we just, we saw Eric Ebron did not practice today. Uh, Pouncey sat yesterday. Yeah, right? Pouncey was out yep. yesterday. That was a personal issue, um, but. I think Mike Tomlin is going to be very cognizant of, of giving some of these veteran guys the days off because you can't afford to have any of these guys get hurt. Yeah, preparation versus preservation, right? That's always the, the fine line, to borrow a, a phrase from Bill Cower. That's always what uh, they try to straddle in a Tomlin camp where they are hitting and they are tackling and they want to get their work in and they want to get their boxes checked. But the most important thing is uh, being available for the New York football giants on September the 14th and beyond. So two days in so far, so good, relatively speaking. Yeah. We like, you know, for example, James Conner hasn't gotten days off, but they're not exactly running James Conner a lot on live tackling drills, those kind of things. They're being very, very uh, cognizant of who they have carrying the football in those situations. Got a little chippy down there today, Mike. Yeah, you could uh, interpret it that way if you weren't down there and you were just reading the uh, Steelers <laughs> pool 
practice report, uh, it makes note that uh, linebacker T.J. Watt and offensive tackle Zach Banner engaged in a couple of close disagreements. And close disagreements (laughs) is in parentheses. Now, are we to interpret, as I believe we are, that uh, that's a lot like close encounters of the third kind when you actually uh, have physical contact with an alien. Is a, does a close disagreement imply uh, physical contact? You you may interpret it that way. You could and you, you may could not do be that. Wrong. Yes, you, you could, and you would not be wrong. Um, I don't know that that's the best way. If I'm Zach Banner to establish myself, I'm trying to win this starting right tackle job, and going after T.J. Watt in those kind of situations. No, maybe walk out out of line. It's not just brush it off as if he's Mr. Innocent Angel. I'm not sure that's the best he's way to go lot. about that. <laughs> he's a lot. He's an Innocent Angel from somewhere Wisconsin who's a football playing machine. Thank you, sir. May I have another? Should be Zach Banner's <laughs> Speaking of Animal House, Dale. Yes. Yes, I, I watched that. Let's see, I'm trying to stay with the theme yes. here that you're maybe establishing or maybe not. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I think it's interesting. Uh, Villanueva, given the day off today, um, we did see yes. briefly on the, uh, on the Steelers.com feed today. So if, if we saw it on the Steelers.com feed today, we can report it. We can talk about that, right? That uh, Zach Banner was at right tackle, and therefore Chooks Okorafor was at left tackle. Mm, we were play, speculating about that a few hours in, ago. In place of Al Villanueva. So okay. um, you reading anything into that, Mike, or is that just – I, I, I kind of look at that as what I thought might happen if if today was in fact Banner's day to uh, start at right tackle. They would move Chooks over. They gave Al the day off. Uh, um, I, I you know I, I think that's going to be what they're going to do this entire camp. Try to get those guys work at both sides. But you know we we see from what we've seen early, one guy at the spot one day, one guy there the next. And Mike, do you think Banner's just a right tackle or? I mean, do they think he could be both as well? Because obviously Chooks can do both. Yeah, one of them's got to be the swing guy, right? Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, the other one's going to be the starter. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think Zach Banner has come a long way in his tenure with the Steelers, uh, both in terms of carving out uh, something of a role for himself. Uh, you know, it's that extra guy. What do you, what do you guys call it? The, uh, is it an extra tight end or an extra tackle? If he's I was called like a sixth-low lineman. Yeah, yeah, I guess it's a yeah. tight end if he's eligible. I don't, I don't know what technique you would call that, Williamson. But, uh, <laughs> That's on defense. For That's sure. an elephant uh, technique. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, you, you know they're gonna they're gonna need some versatility there. But it, I know Mike Tomlin told us don't count uh, snaps and all that at the start when when a core four opened uh, there on the Monday. But I just I kind of I got a sneaking suspicion he's the guy. I do as well, and there's some reasons for that. I mean, he's the only one that's under contract beyond this season. Um, So, obviously, you know, he's going into year three. He's a better athlete. You've got to find out what you have in him. And, you know, I think if they want to then, you know, if they want to start him at right tackle this season and perhaps move him over to the left side next year, then he would have a year starting experience under his belt. You'd have a much better idea of what you have there. Um, they drafted him in the third round for a reason. Mm-hmm. You know, you draft yeah. a guy in the third round, you're, he's a potential starter for you. Um, I said earlier today, though, that if he is truly the leader in the clubhouse at right tackle, I maybe would have rather just seen him at right tackle today, work on your technique, you know, be a pure right tackle for to get ready for the start of the season and throw a banner on the left side. Today oh, that's was a great point. Day, though. 
What's that? It was a banner day. It was a banner day. It was a banner day. Yeah. Huh. I mean, you if you say it's going to be an open competition, you got to let them play. You got to you got to <laughs> right, have right. you got to let it be an open competition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you how did that be, work out last year with Filer? Right, and Filer rarely lined up at right tackle last year. He spent as this much time, time last year. He spent as right. much time in camp last year at guard as he did playing right tackle. Right. I remember talking he, did, to him a couple of times during camp and saying, I've been, I'm being told you're the guy at right tackle. Like, there's no question about it. You're the guy at right tackle. And he's like, well, I'm lining up at guard a lot. Guard a lot. <laughs> right. I, knew that, I, knew that, I do know that they really value position versatility in their offensive linemen. But you'd think you'd want the starter to do starter stuff. Didn't they start Filer uh, on the right side, though, and then, and then he started moving her, like he, he played it? Yeah, the first he like got the first. Fl- yeah, the first day is the first snap. So. Yeah, but then and, early and then in they camp they started them. having guys go down at yeah. the guard position, and, and Filer ended up playing guard mostly throughout the course of camp. Um, yeah, he did not play there a lot, but uh, boy, he looked so good early. Um, we'll see these things. These things work out the way they work out. But uh, Matt, maybe you have a little more insight into really the way coaches think when, when they tell you there's a competition for a roster spot or a starting position. It's figured out ahead of time, isn't it? And then you just you're just playing it out long enough to make sure you were right. Um, mostly uh, from what I've seen. I mean, I think you certainly are. You would never admit this to the public or the media, but I think you're usually rooting for someone. But you're leaning one way or the other. Yeah, yeah. you want Chooks to grab the job because you know his ceiling's higher. Of but the you two don't want to hand it to him. But you don't want to hand right. it to him and. Players know, you know, I mean, if T.J. Watt knows it's harder to beat Zach Banner than Chooks, well, word gets around that they're playing the worst player. You know, I mean, like, the players know stuff. Um, Sometimes, though, whenever you, quote, open a competition, it's like, we have zero and we hope one of these guys steps up and, you know, takes, you know, with more opportunity and we'll probably have to draft past them next year anyways because we're a mess at this position. But I don't think that's a case Oh, yeah, it's not, a, right, you know, right, it's, right. Not, it's not an absolute, but I, I right. just think a lot of times they go into it and it's like, okay, well, this guy's going to be the nickel and this guy's going to be on the punt return team. And mm-hmm. they have to almost play themselves off. Right. right. Yeah. And banners earned the right to at least, you know, show what he could do. Yeah. But I just think particularly in this camp, in this convoluted COVID camp, uh, a lot of stuff had to be figured out ahead of time. And say, hey, this is how we're starting – this is the way we're going to open, and you know we'll adjust as we have to. But uh, we got we got to have a maybe a, a more firm plan going in this year than we usually have when there's a, a position or two that are, uh, you know. Yeah, I think that's well let's said. Say, let's not- say let's say uncertain because like take take nose tackle for example. Uh, you're getting a little buzz about uh, Dan McCullers. He's in better shape and this and that. <laughs> uh, you know, there's no way that that he's starting right. I mean, None. There's no way. None. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's just paying lip service to it. I don't even know that he makes the team necessarily. And, Mike, to your point, too, you know, this year you can't do the, well, game one of preseason, Chooks will start at right tackle, Banner will start in game two, and then Chooks will start. You know, there's no time for that nonsense either. Like, let's just get down to business. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, yeah, there's no time for that nonsense. <laughs> yeah, so, I th- you know, it is a, a, a you know, a, a very much a, a truncated – training camp uh you know again we matt and i were talking earlier today they would be getting ready for preseason game number three this week mike if this was a normal year i mean this would have been the week we were gotten to see you know perhaps a chance to see ben roethlisberger on the football field you know playing actually it would have been preseason game four for them yeah right because they would have already had the 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 hall of fame game as well 
Um, you know, it kind of gives. We'd you have a, been out of Latrobe already, right? We'd have been like, yeah, we'd packing have, up. We'd have been packing up Latrobe the same day that uh, they opened camp this week. I mean, mm-hmm. that's that's kind of where we're at in this process. So, it gives you an Sad idea day. of of how quickly things are going to be happening here soon. It's coming fast and uh, interesting. Uh, one of the comments that uh, Vance McDonald made. Boy, did he have a fantastic Zoom interview today? Uh, that guy, he's got a little Troy in him, Dale. Uh, not always the the easiest guy to to engage, you know. You usually cooperative, but sometimes he doesn't have a whole lot to say. But when yeah. he does, man, he just lets it rip, and he let he let it fly today on a, a number of subjects. One of those being that, um, and I'm going to try to paraphrase him here as best I can. You can't run around with your hair on fire because oh my god, we lost all those preseason snaps, and we only have a short camp, and this is weird, and it's different. And I got to take a COVID test, and what do we do? You can't go too crazy, but but you better be cognizant that you have less time than you normally do, and you better maximize the time that you have. And he, uh, McDonald seemed to think that that message was being driven home uh, appropriately and regularly by the staff. Yeah, and it, it has to be, and I think that's where you benefit from having a veteran team, um, you know, a bunch of guys who are returning that, who understand – there's the probably some little things you don't have to tell them. Right. You yeah. don't have to show these right. guys, hey, this is where we uh, do this, or this is where you mm-hmm. get taped, and this is where you, you know, how we watch film and all those kind of things. It's more efficient to do things in this order. Than, right. You know, I know how this is the this way order. we right. do it. And, you know, so I, I think uh, there's there's something to be gained by that. Uh, what's going to be gained right now is a commercial break. He is uh, Mike Pursuta. I'm Dale Lally. That's Matt Williamson over there. And uh, you are listening to the Training Camp Report. Our Steelers coverage is brought to you by PNC Bank. PNC Bank is the official bank of the Pittsburgh Steelers. We're going to take a break here. We'll be right back with, with Steelers Nation Radio. Welcome back to the Training Camp Report. I'm Dale Lally here with Mike Brasuda and Matt Williamson. And, uh, guys, I made reference earlier in the day or earlier in the show here to uh, the Browns potential. Wait, 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 wait a minute. You, you're just no. going to dive right back into training camp when Luai Luai is playing? You can listen a little longer. That's fine. <laughs> it's got to be one of the most recorded songs in history, doesn't it? Everybody's done this. That's because it's easy. Yeah, but it's, I mean, Animal House made it cool, right? I never heard of this song until I saw that movie, and I, I hear it all the time ever since. Yeah, Springsteen no, does no. this song. I've seen Bruce do this in concert. Because it's easy. <laughs> Takes no talent. <laughs> right technique. you got to have the right technique, though. Um, so we saw uh, Mac Wilson go down. For yeah, the, it's uh, big the, for them. the Browns today. That's huge. Middle of the field is rough on that defense right now. I mean, they, you know, they, this is a team that that allowed Joe Schobert, uh, Christian Kirksey to move on in the mm-hmm. offseason, um, thinking that Mac Wilson's going to be the guy taking over that that uh, linebacking group. And yikes! Did it sound like a bad one, like an alpha year type of situation? It's, could very well be. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you're getting again, again, we don't know. You're getting carted off. Yeah, and, right, 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 and that kind of you stuff. Assume but, the worst. Uh, you assume the worst in that situation. Um, not uh, not the best news for the for the uh, for the brownies, and certainly uh, their linebacker safety situation is very suspect. Yeah, Vince Beagle went down uh, today, 
tore an Achilles today for the uh, Dolphins. He started mm-hmm. 10 games for them last year. Of course, was T.J. Watt's teammate at Wisconsin. Yeah, he um, played well for them last year, So too. was Schobert, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, they had some guys on that defense. And uh, the uh, Cowboys released Gerald McCoy. Yeah, there was some kind of settlement or yeah, they, it was written into his con. It. There was some wording in his contract, though, that if he tore the, if he had something go wrong with his right quad, really, everything was was negated in his contract. I wonder if he must have had some kind of. I'm sure whenever existing injury, right? I wonder if whenever he did, it signed his contract and took his physical, they said your right quad's in trouble, and he's like, well, if that happens to go, you can tear my contract up. And I, from what I understand, I didn't see it, but I was told. That he went down, just like kind of playing patty cake, mirroring somebody. Like he was supposedly like the offense. Yes, I told play. you that. Yeah. You told me that. All right. <laughs> well, yeah, I figured it wasn't my wife or. <laughs> I mean, so it wasn't like he put a lot of stress on it. It must have been in bad shape to begin with. Yeah. So we're seeing some of this stuff happen around the league. So you know, the Steelers uh, losing Kevin Dotson today. We'll see how how serious that is uh, at some point here, and of course, uh, uh, the tight end as well. Uh, but not the injuries that some of these other teams are, are suffering. Dax Raymond, the, the tight end. Although I was watching Dax Raymond yesterday, I was I was sitting right in front of the uh, the tight ends watching practice, and they're hitting the blocking sled. Mike Tomlin's mm-hmm. there watching them, and when they got done, Mike Tomlin actually you know gave Dax Raymond a little fist bump when they got done. With I kind of liked them coming out of school. I thought that was a nice pickup for nothing a couple weeks ago. Yeah, and so. Um, you know, it's, it's not like they couldn't use another tight end. Yeah, a guy with uh, a little bit of experience there. Mm-hmm. And, well, you know, I wonder if he goes on IR for the year though, and do it again next camp. Well, yeah, we'll see. I mean, I, I think, and they changed the IR rules a little bit this year. I think you can bring five guys back this year. I think you're right. I mean, um, it's definitely a lot more. So they eased they eased that up a little bit, uh, but uh, with this COVID situation, Mike, the the practice squad's increasing to to 16 players. Matt and I've talked about this quite a bit. Um, you're essentially only going to be cutting 11 guys from yeah. the roster. Like, everyone you watch today. There's only going to be 11 yeah. guys who aren't going to be here in September at some point unless they go out and sign a bunch of guys from other teams, and I don't but expect still, that to happen. A large percentage of the people you guys watched today or yesterday are going to be Steelers this year. And I think that's important. Uh, I, I think uh, we talked about this yesterday, uh, if I'm not mistaken, that it's going to be a little scattered in September, right? I mean, particularly on special teams and maybe – uh, offensively and defensively as well. It's going to te- take teams a while to find it, and with the COVID stuff, you don't know about unavailabilities from one week to the next or for a couple of weeks at a time. And with the lack of prep, uh, we're seeing the injuries in camp now. You don't know uh, how that's going to translate uh, You know when it ramps up to another degree of intensity and speed in the regular season. So I think it's going to be important to have uh, a taxi slot available, a pool of players that you can dip into. And again, this is going to favor the good organizations that are well-coached and uh, know how to get their guys prepped. Uh, because those practice squad guys are not uh, just hanging around. You know what I mean? They're, you got to work they're with potentially, them. Yeah. They're potentially valuable contributors and uh, potentially impact guys. And uh, I kind of like the way the Steelers are positioned in that regard because they use it well, don't you think? Yeah, yeah, they do, and, and I, that's why I asked Mike Tomlin about that uh, when we spoke to him, I believe it was last week or the week before, you know, what the what the rules were going to be like for signing guys in season. Are you going to have to wait, you know, sign a guy, and he's going to have to pass tests three straight days and, yeah, and those kind of things. And he, and he said, you know, yeah, we're going to have to be very uh, thoughtful 
on how we build that practice squad, who we you know who we keep around because you keep, you don't want to get into a situation where well we've only got one safety on the uh, on the practice squad and all of a sudden you know two guys get hurt in the game one guy tests positive and all of a sudden you're like oh we got to get a safety to sign this week and even if you sign him on Monday he doesn't get the practice for you until Friday. I think it'll be interesting, and maybe someone with more time in their hands than me should look at it, is how do all 32 teams handle their practice squad? Like, you don't want three running backs on there. I mean, like, do you right. think they, they go into it even before they know the names and say, we got two spots for receivers, we need four offensive linemen, because and we're going to need these guys. There's a, a, a strong chance we will. And I also think, well, a couple things. I, I hope they keep that up going forward, past COVID, because I think it's – this is kind of like my my minor league system, you know. I'm, I'm in favor of having more people as a developmental player, but I also think this year you might side for the not developmental player. Like if you're torn between two tackles, this one might help me more if I need him next week, but the other one might have a higher ceiling if I can groom him for a while. And I, I think the other interesting thing that we haven't got to yet with the team is, you guys know this better than anyone. Being a practice, usually those guys are running the other team's offense or defense, they're running practice squad stuff. You might need to keep them after practice or whatever to make sure they're totally on board with the this game week's plan. game plan. Yeah. And, you know, right. this is how we run outside zone, you know, not how we're going to defend it. Yeah, that's the thing that I think fans lose track of a lot. You know, for example, when they were talking about Mason Rudolph being the number three quarterback two years ago, he ran very little Steelers offense right. once they right. once they broke camp. The majority of his time is spent running the opposing team's offense each he week. He reads a card of what the Chiefs are running that week or the Bengals or whatever, and he's that. He pretends to be the other quarterback, right? You know, there was a, a great uh, development years ago. Bubby Brister had to get thrown into a situation. I can't remember if he started or uh, was was in the game early due to some unforeseen uh, injury developments, and he had been the practice squad quarterback yeah, they didn't call it practice squad back then but he he was running the scout opponent's team. plays that, yeah that, yeah scout team thank you and I, I think this was in cleveland and he was talking about getting thrown in there and he said for a while i was sitting there wondering where the f are the cards i run here i do this i just follow the arrow right there were no he had to actually call steelers place not the other teams but um <laughs> Matt, I think you make a real interesting point on how you set up your practice squad. My impression has always been, and I never really verified this with anybody, but I always thought it was more position dictated than these are the first seven or the last seven or eight guys to get cut. Right. Yeah. So, in other words, it, it, it's always been it's that not way, the but right. It's not the best players in your organization in descending order, and these guys get spared a little bit. It's the fifty fourth guy might not and, make it. Yeah. You need two of these and one of these, and you need one over here just in case. To run the and practice. I think that would, you need enough guys to be able to run practice, hence the name practice squad. Hence the name. But I think to your other point, it, it makes a whole lot of sense to me to keep maybe a guy who's better right now than a developmental guy, but won't that be a hard habit to break, so to speak? Yeah, right. Because right. the the thought process in the organizations has always been stockpile developmental guys, right? Yeah, I think you have to balance it a little bit. And this year, uh, you're allowed to keep, I believe, six veteran guys on that on that practice yeah. squad. So maybe you stash uh, an extra quarterback on there. I, I, I'm of the belief that if I'm gonna, if I'm the Steelers, 
Uh, you got four quarterbacks in camp. I'm keeping four, all four quarterbacks around in some form or fashion just in case because they all know the offense to some degree. And I'm probably stashing Devlin Hodges on the practice squad and telling him, you go over, you just sit at home, don't go out, we're going to pay you, here's your, here's your check every week, we'll let you know, you can zoom in on the meetings and those kind of things just in case something happens and we need a guy to step in and play. Yeah, but what, I mean, I, I know that this guy isn't currently available, but I think teams are going to want the Matt Schaub, Josh McCown type guys. The the started a lot of games, been around the block. But a if long you don't time. know the offense, you don't know the offense. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, like that's the ideal guy to stash on your practice squad. You know, have a Rudolph like backup on game day, and then have the old man on the practice squad and be kind of a coach out there. But I don't want the no, I don't I, want I, that third quarterback or fourth. I don't want the fourth quarterback anywhere near my facility. That's what you're saying, right? He's gonna say he's yeah. gonna stay at home. McCown he knows just stay at the he knows the offense. You just stay here, stay ready, stay COVID free, and if if something arises, we're gonna mm-hmm. bring you back in and and let you play. Like that's what Atlanta should do with Matt Schaub, he's right? Been around a million years. Yeah, like, don't even come. He knows around the here. offense. Yeah, right. you can't throw anywhere. We don't want you anywhere near Matt Ryan. You know, <laughs> right, we can't right, afford right, for right. you both to go. You know, have something happen to both of you. Mm-hmm. But you know. That's yeah. that's what we need to. We, that's what we need you to do. But you don't think a Matt Schaub is a practice squad player? But right, that'd be an ideal guy to sit there, even though he's not any good. I would do it with. Uh, <laughs> I would do it the other way, Dale. I'd, I'd make Lynch my quarantine guy, and uh, and keep Hodges active. But yeah, I think they're all four in in some way, shape, or form involved. Do so you think all four get yeah. a paycheck this year? I think so. I mean, I think no. you have to, just given the. The situation. Um, Maybe yeah, I th- keep two on the active and two on the practice. They don't like to keep that third quarterback on the practice squad just in case he gets signed, but mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I mean, maybe those rules are out the yeah. window. I don't, I don't think I there's going to be a lot of movement from practice squad to practice squad this year, Mike. I, I don't know how you feel about this, but I think teams are going to go with the guys that they know, the guys who have been in camp with them, who, who spent the offseason, because it's going to be so difficult to, to sign a guy from another you know, from another team, we're not going to see, for example, last year the Steelers, you know, signing Dion Kane and mm-hmm. uh, Kareth White off the off of practice squads of uh, the Bears and the Colts, and all of a sudden they're playing mm-hmm. in the game the next Sunday. That's not going to happen this year. See, I think you're 100 yeah, right percent about that. that. No, I'm sorry, they lost that lineman too, right? Um, Fred Johnson. Fred Johnson, right? Yes. Yeah, I, uh, I don't think you I, see I, as I much would, of that this year. So I, think, I would agree. Go ahead, Matt. I'm sorry. I think you're 100 percent right about that, Dale. Except for there's going to be a point of no return when you're one and seven, and you say, "Okay, this guy could help me on Sunday, but I can pluck the guy from the Steelers who are seven and one that has a higher upside." But are you going to you know pl- I mean? are you going to take a guy off of somebody's practice squad and ha- not having seen him play any preseason? You have no idea. If I just he's mean any if your season shot, and you, you love the guy, you were going to take him the fifth round. And... But you have no idea if he's if he's better, if he's worse. What's what's happening I mean, with him? You haven't seen him. No, I, mean, I know. I know. You know the scouts. Um, you know the scouts are, are, are typically at this time of the year they're they're not around because mm-hmm. they're out scouting preseason games. I mean, last you saw them was maybe his bowl game. Yeah. Now we're seeing them sitting at the stadium scouting the Steelers because that's what they that's all they can do right now. Mm-hmm. They're not getting a chance to, to go around and, and hey, who's uh, who's long snapper? You know, gets it back there the fastest or no? I know, hear this you. this linebacker is really playing well on special teams for the for the Titans, but we don't think he's going to make it. Uh, we think he might get caught up in the numbers down there. Keep an eye on this guy if he gets cut loose. It's just not it's not going to happen this year. No, you won't have There's recent reports. But I'm just thinking if you're the Jags or the Panthers and your season shot. I'm not keeping the five-year veteran on my on my practice squad when I can roll the dice and just try door number two. 
it is going to be a constant uh, internal argument, It'll I think, between you know who's who can help down the road and who could potentially help right now. And uh, you know, that's uh, I, I think teams are wired uh, in favor of the the developmental guys, but uh, that might have to go out the window this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think everything changes. I think you, you know you. you you're just in it to win it this year. I don't think you can think too far down the road in the future. I mean, obviously, in Matt's scenario, you know, if you're a bad football team, yeah, you can think a little more down the road. But, uh, you know, for a team like the Steelers, and, and we went over their salary cap uh, issues yesterday, um, you know, you gotta, you, you got to be all in to win this year. And I think there's a number of teams that, that are, are going to be treating it that way. Can't wait to no. find out yeah. how this yeah. plays out. Yeah, right. I mean, I, again, really we don't know. We're uncharted just, waters for everybody. We're right. just guessing here, and I think that's, you know, it's it's going to be that way all season long with a lot of different things. There's, there are going to be things that happen this year um, at some point in the league that we haven't seen before. I mean, we could see a situation. We've seen it in baseball for sure. Um, you know, what what's the NFL going to do if 10 guys from one organization test positive? Right, you you're gonna not play that week because you got 69 guys in your roster. You still got more than enough to, to, I think the to line is, up. The show must go on. And that's, that's well. Let me ask you guys yeah. a question uh, regarding because I'm unclear on the policy. I know you had to a certain point to opt out, right? And then if you, if you opted out, you could not come back. Mm-hmm. True, correct. Right. So the guys who are out are out. But what if what if a guy a month from now says, you know what, I can't do this? Too bad. I, you, I mean, you, he, he doesn't well, you get don't paid. Get the compensation. Yeah, he doesn't get he doesn't get the compensation. He doesn't get that hundred and fifty thousand or three hundred and fifty thousand dollars that they gave the guys yeah. who did opt out. I mean, he could quit. He and would never get his, come back. He would get his paycheck to that point, but then he would be walking away from his contract. He would lose. He would get cut, and uh, and he'd be in breach of his contract. He would be in breach right, of contract. Right, right. Yeah, that's yeah. why they that's why they set that date. So I mean, even so then they're gonna take. Are they gonna, could, yeah, he could end up right. having to pay back his, signing bonus and all that other stuff. Yeah, right. They're gonna hold a guy's feet to the fire because he says I'm scared of the virus and I got to get out of here and I feel I like my family's at risk. Or, right? Yeah. They right, potentially yeah. could. I mean, that's that's there. That's it's certainly something that could happen. Um, you know, again, this is the reason a, I bring that up is Tukarask uh, of the Bruins last right. weekend checked yeah. out. I mean, he and showed right up playoffs, and went through right? camp and everything, and right in the middle of a series, so you know what? I can't do this, guys. I'm gone. And, you know, oh. just a starting goaltender. No big deal. <laughs> right, 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 right. Be fine. I bet it happens so I don't know. in the I NFL. Think to you guys' points, uh, unknowns, man, uh, you know, there's no way to calculate all of them or, or the effect they might have on this thing. And I'm sure, as to your point again, Mike, uh, you know, the smart teams are trying to think of these different scenarios. You're not going to think of every single one that could happen, but – you know, you have to think about this stuff. Hey, what happens if this happens? What if, what if we do have ten guys test positive? What's our, you know, what's our backup plan here? What's our, what's our emergency plan? You know, yeah. what, do we shut down the building for two days and cleanse everything, and you know, go back to Heinz Field, or what? You know, what are you doing in those situations? And, and teams always know who their emergency long snapper is, right. and stuff like that. But you better put extra time in those things. I mean. Who's our fifth guard? I mean, who's a real desperate situation? Heck, who's our seventh guard? Yeah, exactly, exactly. (laughs) You just never know. Uh, But, uh, yeah, it's going to be a fascinating season. As Matt's said a number of times, uh, you know, when the book comes out about – yeah, the thirty for thirty for the, the thirty for thirty. Yeah, season. on this is going to be <laughs> something, right? Unbelievable. People, you know, 
again, I mean, even sitting starting with the CBA back at the combine, you know, I mean, like that was, was going to be a weird off season. It could be anyway. a week's worth of 30 30s. Exactly. It could Just be in the NFL season. Jordan's here. Not including yeah. the what's happening in the NHL and Major League Baseball and everything mm-hmm. else that. Uh, All the stories that'll come out when they interview people 10 years away. Yeah. You know? He is Matt Williamson. Um, that's Mike Pursuta. I'm Dale Lolly. You are listening to the Training Camp Report here on Steelers Nation Radio. We'll be back uh, right after these uh, messages to uh, finish up the first uh, hour here with Mike. We'll let him go after that. But uh, got more questions to ask him. We'll get to those right after this. This is how I feel on a daily basis. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. (laughs) And I'm uh, stuck in the middle with you, the listeners here on the training camp report. Just from 6 to 7 every night, huh? That's us. (laughs) (laughs) Do you you think Devin Bush ever looks at Vince Williams and says, here I am stuck in the middle with you? (laughs) That song is all about Mr. Blonde talking to the ear. I don't think he does, but... By Devin? the way, that is the great Steelers wheel, right? That is Steelers wheel with uh, Jerry Rafferty and uh, is that Eddie Rabbit as well? The other part of that, yeah. So, except it's not Steelers within two E's; it's Steelers with a E A, right? Yes, Steelers wheel. Uh, very good. Yeah, well done. Well done. Um, you are back with the training camp report. I'm Dale Lolly here with Matt Williamson and Mike Persuda. We'll be taking you to the top of the hour here with Mike, and then Matt and I will be finishing up from uh, seven to eight. But, uh, Mike, you had some questions that you wanted to ask uh, Matt and I. Oh. I did, just based on uh, how we should interpret Mike Tomlin's comments at the end of practice today. You know, Tomlin has been uh, all in in terms of these Zooms and stuff. They'll back me up. He's Absolutely, engaging. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's not nearly as confrontational. He's, he's, he has all the patience in the world for it and all the time for us, and it's, it's been great. But today I was sensing a little bit more – Typical Mike Tomlin, or maybe maybe Mike Tomlin's starting to feel like he's just coaching football again instead of coaching football through a pandemic. But uh, a couple of his responses, I was curious how I should interpret them. So I go to you guys, okay. the clown to the left of me and the joker to the right. <laughs> what do you Question got? about uh, okay. Terrell Edmonds. Uh, how important is it for Terrell Edmonds to get off to a good start and make more plays than he has in the past couple seasons? Not important at and all. The, res- <laughs> the response is... It's a collective effort for us on the back end. Much like offensive line play, it is a collection of the individuals. That unit has to operate as just that, a unit. We are challenging the secondary collectively. Now, that's secondary. It also includes Joe Hayden, Steven Nelson, and the great Minka Fitzpatrick. So is he taking heat off of Edmonds by saying it's up to the group? Does he not want to that's the way I come out and it. say – does he not? Does he? Is he trying not to say, "Yeah, this kid's got to get his hand on the ball once in a while"? Well, I'll say this about that: I know people point to to the completion percentage that Terrell Edmonds allowed last year, and I broke this down um, in the off season. Uh, he gave up overall 
Uh, 36 completions on 50 targets. My UPJ math tells me that's 72%. (laughs) Pretty Um, good. For you guys uh, that went to Michigan State, maybe it took you a little longer to to add that up in there, but we're we're good. Yeah, we were were at the bar. (laughs) (laughs) So were we. Uh, But (laughs) we just had better bars. Yeah, we just had better ones. Um, But when you look at what he gave up after they got Minka Fitzpatrick, it was 62%. Um, you know, a lot of those completions that he gave up early in the season or, or in, were in the first two games of the season when he was playing with essentially, uh, well, Cam Kelly for most of that, mm-hmm. a guy they signed uh, essentially off the AAF. Um, you know, so I think there was some adjustment there with that. Uh, I thought he was much better with, with Minka Fitzpatrick, but he just does not play the ball well in the air. That's a, a fundamental yeah, issue. It's a flaw with him. The other part of that uh, – at- a potential uh, thought process on interpreting that answer would be, hey, get off his back. It's working fine. We were pretty good back there last year. Yeah, I, whenever you asked the question, the way you proposed it, I kind of thought, well, he knows that he's seen it with Bud. He's seen it with other guys that are highly drafted, and all of a sudden Steeler Nation gets a bullseye on their chest. So he, Somebody's got to be the right. reason why, right. why the defense gives up a touchdown. I can't, oh, that's get mad be yeah. I can't get mad at all these guys I love, so I'm going to pick on the only guy that's not a star. And, and I felt like Coach Tomlin recognizes that and says, let's just lump them all together, you know, and kind of t- t- deflect that a little bit. Maybe. Let's move on to uh, backup outside linebacker. Okay. Uh, okay. Tomlin has asked about Ola Adeni. Uh, have you seen Ola Adeni improve early in camp? And Dale, uh, Mike Tomlin responded with, he's in great condition. You know, the story's going to continue to be written. So far, so good. To me, when Mike Tomlin says great condition, he doesn't want to say anything else about the guy, in part because he hasn't seen anything from the guy yet. Correct. I, I think, you know, when he gets those kind of questions, that's his stock answer, especially when he gets those yeah. kind of questions two days into seeing, you know, right. in the padded practices. Um, I think you would re- recall this one, Mike. There was a young reporter uh, several years ago who, who was at camp for the first time, and every day he would come in and ask Tomlin about a different position group. How the wide receivers look today, or how's this look today, <laughs> or how did those guys look today? And, you know, he just like – we were sitting uh, – there were several of us sitting in the lunchroom uh, like three or four days into this, and Tomlin comes walking over and, and says, hey, <laughs> one of you guys that, yeah. has to talk to this young guy and, and start, get him to – like come up with something different here. Right, you know, right. you're, he's, his term was he's overcooking my grits on this whole stuff. <laughs> like, yeah. What's he expect me to tell him here? We're, you know, we're two days into the process or three days into the process. I don't have time to watch one position – and give you a, you know comments on it every day, sure. Based on what I just saw at practice, I'm I'm overseeing the whole deal out here, not just one guy or or one position. Speaking of receivers, okay, leads me to the next question. A uh, lot of discussion, as I'm sure you guys have heard and probably conducted a few, uh, about uh, how isn't it amazing that Juju Smith-Schuster is still a young guy, but he's the the voice of experience in the room all of a sudden in the wide receiver room. He's, you know, he's the ranking guy in terms of experience with the Steelers. Uh, can the younger wide receivers push Juju Smith-Schuster? Are they pushing him? What is the nature in that room right now? And and Tomlin basically said nobody in there is paying any attention to Juju. Quote, some of these guys are so worried about their responsibilities from an assignment standpoint and making sure they're on their details that that isn't a relevant discussion for them. Claypool's just trying to figure out how we function here and his place in it. 
Some of the guys who have been here and have roles, obviously it's moving up or moving out. So in other words, <laughs> everybody's worried about themselves. Is, is that taking pressure off of Juju? Is that acknowledging that Juju is not yet leading? Or is that just the way it is? Because that's uh, that one sounded pretty straightforward and realistic to me. Yeah, I think I'm taking that one at face value. Yeah, um, right. That, that, hey, we got a really gr- young group of guys in there who are trying to figure out what they need to do to make a roster, mm-hmm. let alone you know worrying about, well, I need to watch I need Juju. to look this guy. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Juju's and, got a nice resume, but it's not AB's resume. No, it's, it's not, not Larry Fitzgerald. You, know, you, know, you know, he's got his job at Kinko's on there, and that's about it at this point. <laughs> right. And you know, he's he young, to... <laughs> and he probably has a thing or two to learn is to be a professional as well. Right. I, that's what I would take out of that. Like, hey, you know, Juju's, yeah, he's he's in his fourth year in the league, but it's not like, you know, he's a an established uh, He's not Cam Hayward. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, and that one, uh, I, I kind of thought of uh, our Zoom with Ike Hilliard when I heard that. And uh, Ike Hilliard was asked about who's going to lead in the wide receivers room. And he said, well, I am I first. Am. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. That's yeah. why they pay me every day. Yeah, I've right. got more experience yeah, so, in the NFL than all these guys good, put together. Yeah. I played, you know, what do you play, 12 years in the league. That's more than the yeah. rest of them have together combined. Yeah, exactly. More more catches, too. <laughs> yeah, more catches. Yeah. I think people do look into that too much. Who's the leader of the wide receiver room? I mean, that stuff's important. Well, they heard Heinz Ward say it for so long yeah, that it right, just right. became a you know a natural thing. Who's the leader of the wideouts? It's still Heinz Ward. Been ones. Yeah. <laughs> nobody ever gave him a chance to lead the wideouts eight years after he quit. But here we are. Uh, and, last and sure, but not quick, least. I'm sure like Hayward Bay carried some weight and had some respect, but he was one of the worst players in the room, too. Guy. Right, yeah, yeah, right, right, yeah. yeah. You, you can't lead from behind, as they say. Uh, last but not least, everybody raving about Ben Roethlisberger, right? Yes. I mean, it's just Vance McDonald today, uh, Juju, everybody you talk to. You know, it's great that he's back and, and looking good. But uh, Mike Tomlin asked about him again today, and he said, I like his velocity. I acknowledge that I have seen his spiral tighter. That's the second time <laughs> Tomlin has gone public that, with yeah. that. But I also acknowledge it's August and we have uh, roughly a month until we step into a stadium, so we will all keep working. See, just tamping down the, uh, oh, my God, it's so great Ben's back, all is well again, or is there a legitimate concern about the spiral, uh, if not a uh, profound one? I don't think he's losing a lot of sleep on the spiral. No, I don't think so either. I mean, I just think he's worn, you know, is he going to be effective, uh, you know, in September? Mm-hmm. Um this, you know, the rest of it will come. I will say this, um, you know, watching Roethlisberger throw while the zip is there on the passes and you, you see him, you know, throw the throw the football and he looks like Ben Roethlisberger, the timing's been a little bit behind. Oh, I, I made imagine. note of that, right. you know, watching the videos, uh, you know, after the first week that, you know, he's throwing some more balls than you're used to behind receivers and those kind of things. Okay, maybe it comes that's out a, a click slow. Yeah, that's right, the kind right, of yeah. stuff that's going to come with, you know, more, more practice time. And so um, – you know, I just think he's trying to keep the keep the enthusiasm a little bit down. You know, maybe take a little bit of pressure off the uh, quarterback. That uh, hey, if he goes out and has a bad game in September, sometime he's he's still human. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, maybe let him know too. I mean, or let everybody know. Hey, the guy doesn't walk on water. I mean, right. I know we're all excited about him, but he's not without his flaws too. And let's let's reel it in a little bit. The praise, yeah. you know, it's not like you just assigned Benjamin Franklin or better yet, as we talked about in the uh, former DVE draft with mm-hmm. Gene Collier, uh, Jesus Christ of Nazareth state, of, of Nazareth state, Jesus right. of Nazareth. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> we didn't bring that guy in. Uh, this guy yeah. does not walk on water or change uh, water into wine, but uh, good stuff from you, Mike. Uh, we're going to let you go here as we uh, get to the top of the hour. 
Uh, he is Mike Pursuta of the DV Morning Show and Steelers Radio Network. You can also see uh, Mike uh, every day from practice on Steelers.com. Uh, Mike, always good to talk to you. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Uh, I'm Dale Lally here with Matt Williamson. You're listening to the Training Camp Report Steelers Nation Radio. Matt and I will be back right after this. Training Camp Report. I'm Dale Lolly here with Matt Williamson. And Matt, uh, looking here on NFL.com, uh, Mark Sessler has put together the ABCs of the 2020 season, 26 storylines to track. Okay. Um, just looking here through some of these things, a lot of the stuff are things that we've already talked about. I'm sure, about. I'm sure. But what are some of the other nuggets? Um, a is the uh, an act to the regular season, unlike everything, anything we've ever witnessed before, obviously. Yeah, clearly. B is Buffalo on the Brink. B is for Ooh. Bills, appropriately hyped during the hot stove months after mining their way to the postseason in 2019. Are I feel we... so repetitive when I talk about the Bills. I just think they're so quarterback dependent. And it Allen all depends has... on that. What's that? It all depends on the, yeah. the QB. Yeah, I mean, he's got tons of ability, and I thought he got better in some facets last year. But he just frankly needs to be better. I think he's closer to Trubisky than he is, you know, Mahomes. Yeah, I mean, they're just a you know a guy that can carry a team. Yeah, um, C is Carolina on my mind. He talks about Matt Rule there and what they're doing, they're rebuilding that franchise. It's gonna be a long Carolina. year. It's gonna be a very long year yeah. for them. Uh, D is for dynastic developments in the American Midwest. Obviously, talking about the <laughs> okay. Chiefs. There you go. Um, e is except for those Titans. He's not dismissing the Titans as a uh, as a contender to the Ravens and Chiefs in the AFC. It's a little far-fetched. I mean, I think the the Titans, the Colts, the Steelers could come out of the AFC. I don't think that's nuts, but yeah. they're behind those two. F is for frisky goings-on in the NFC West. Here's his prediction for the uh, for the West this year. Niners at 12-4, and four, Seahawks at 11-5, and five, Cardinals at 9-7, and seven, Rams at 8-8. Eight eight. Wow. I think that people are putting the, the horse before the cart a little bit on the Cardinals. Uh, yeah, where's the defense at with that team? I think they're going to yeah. be better. I, I think they've got some pieces, but yeah. Like it's, I mean, they, that, a year ago, they were the worst offense we'd ever seen. You know, like, yeah. I mean, it wasn't that long ago that they were a desperate, terrible team. It's yeah. going to take a little while. G is for Green Bay's game of chicken with A-Rod. <laughs> okay. <laughs> H is for hoping... <laughs> For no, for hoping for football with no interruptions. I think that's pretty, that's good. Yeah, yeah. I as for if Denver's young pieces fit together. Dot dot dot. I see a playoff team. Yes, they would need a lot of. Lock. To me, that's a big if. You needed a lot of lock. Right, 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 right. Yeah. <laughs> with that, not lock, lock. Exactly. Yeah. And they are are really young. They've got some pieces. Yeah. They do. They do. They're an interesting team. J is Joe B's attempt to lift Cincy from the grave. 
And that's going to be an uphill climb, Burrows, too. Yeah. I mean, I they've think had a lot a, of injuries already. Yeah, it's not going so well right off the bat. Yeah. I think he's got right guy to do it. I just think it's going to be more of a Aikman-Manning rookie year. Right. You know. Yeah. K is for Kyler's second act. Uh, expecting uh, he's, He says he's a different player than Lamar Jackson, but similar hope tomorrow uh, for tomorrow rest with Kyler Murray and what he might be in year two. I think he'll take massive steps forward and is a really good prospect, but – He's not going to be Mahomes' second year, Lamar's no, second not year. Not going to be like that. Wentz's no. second year. You know, come on. L is for Littler Ben Juju and the Overlook Steelers. Littler Ben? Littler Ben, <laughs> okay. yes. Uh, he says, are we forgetting about Pittsburgh? It sure seems like it. I see a club with a top two defense in the AFC. I don't know who he's saying is a Probably better. Baltimore. Yeah. It seems to be the consensus. But. Yeah, I don't see that necessarily as this. Uh, being, I think the Steelers' defense is better. I do, too. Uh, I see a much maligned Juju Smith-Schuster held down last autumn by a cast of clowns at quarterback <laughs> who targeted the wideout with a ghastly accurate ball placement of 50.8% per pro football focus. A drastic tumble from the 61.4% unfurled by Ben Roethlisberger in 2017 and 18. I see a, the figure of Big Ben emerging from the mist, written off by the hordes giggled at for his corona beard. <laughs> And dismissed as a stale lump of clay. Meanwhile, a leaner, meaner Roethlisberger is back at camp throwing darts. I vow this, his dis- his detractors are in for a rough ride. Uh, Sessler's actually a pretty funny guy. I've listened to their podcast a fair amount, and he writes in a comical way, obviously. But I do think the word overlooked is one that I would mention often if I was Coach Tomlin it, oh, in the locker would, room. Right, yeah, yeah. I would keep poking uh, Roethlisberger with pictures. Right. Of, you know, every I would put up wor- words around the complex. You know, what everybody said about him. He looks fat, looks this, mm-hmm. looks like he's done. He's done, right. Yeah. Elbows, are, yeah. Yeah. M is for Mike McCarthy's comeback campaign in Dallas. I think it could go well, too. I'm really warming up to that team. Yeah. Um, N is for the New York-New Jersey arms race. <laughs> Jets-Giants. Jets-Giants with two young quarterbacks that, um, well, we'll see. Yeah, right. I think both those organizations are in trouble for the short term, at least. O is for OBJ and the wait-and-see Browns. Yeah, we talk about the Browns a lot. I still have a lot of hope for OBJ. Yeah, uh, we'll see. Um, I, I think, you know, again, with uh, they could not afford to lose Mac Wilson if that. No, it hurts. That, that it hurts. hurts. That hurts bad. That's somebody they were counting on. Yeah, P is for Peyton's final bash with Breeze. That being Sean Payton. Mm-hmm. I think Breeze. I think Drew, this will be it for Drew Breeze. I do too, and he might go off like Elway. I think they got a chance to win it all. Yeah. Q is for Quentin's band of horseshoe maulers and their new prize possession. Uh, that would be Philip Rivers. Cold, I, I don't yeah. know if I would consider Philip Rivers a prized possession. I don't either, but I do think they got a shot. They don't have a real hard schedule. Uh, how about this for the Colts? I mean, it was like right around this time last year that Andrew Luck's like, "Ah, eh, I'm done." Like, what if Mahomes did that? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's kind of what they had to overcome or any last quarterback, year. right? I mean, yeah. any quarterback. I mean, Kirk Anybody Cousins, starting right. quarterback? Yeah, exactly. who's, eh, I'm done. Yeah. No, I'm it's done. right about this time of year. Uh, R is for Ron Rivera's cultural overhaul in D.C. Well said. Culture, yeah. culture, culture. Yeah, you got to right. change the culture there. You got not just not just the helmets and yeah. the team name and right. The whole thing needs to be blown up and restarted. Yeah. Uh, S is for singling out a team nobody is talking about. He says, "How about Detroit?" Ah, you know, you I like that have a one. Soft yeah. for them. <laughs> I'm not saying they're going to be world beaters, but I think they're better than people think. I think they're making some moves in the right direction. We'll mm-hmm. see if they have the. Uh, the sand to uh, stick with it. Yeah, I'm not a huge Patricia fan. T is for Tom Brady versus Bill Belichick. I, Which I hate one that comes it's a out battle of this, between yeah. these two? Like one of them has to lose. 
<laughs> one of them's going to lose, and I think one of them's going to lose a lot more than he's been used to losing since he coached the Cleveland Browns. I tend to agree, <laughs> but that's not going to be. I'm not going li- to listen to the narrative that oh Tom could have done it anywhere and Belichick's overrated if they go. No, that's not the. Even if they go two and fourteen this year yeah, in New England, I don't right. know if they're going to go two and fourteen, but right. they're not going to be very good. I don't even think so. I think Brady's going to end up with a better record in Tampa. Than yes. Than they had, but that's that's not necessarily. Again, Andy Dalton could have gone to Tampa this year, exactly, and they would have won ten games. Yeah, I don't think it's Tom versus Bill, <laughs> right? You know. U is for undetermined swing for the fences by Bill O'Brien. Yeah, not exactly sure what he means by that. So, I mean, well, this they're an aggressive pure, front office, obviously, with him in charge. This is pure, if reasonable, speculation. But recent history suggests that Texans coach Bill O'Brien, in his ongoing quest. To reimagine the role of general managers in his days, weeks, at most months away from pulling off yet another complicated madhouse trade that melts scribes and talking heads into a sweaty puddle. <laughs> I mean, he's shown that he's very apt to do that. Over he's not afraid to make a move. Years. Yeah, just out of draft picks. There's not much to there's much no, a way to bargain there's with. Not anymore. much to use. V is for Vegas Rising. Please remember this sentence when John Gruden is awarded the Coach of the Year. No, That's I don't a, see that. I don't see that happening. I think he's a good coach, and I think there's things to kind of like there, but I, I'm going under on their win total. Uh, w is for Wentz versus Foles. Ugh. Carson Wentz is the better player, but Mrs. Fate keeps tapping Nick Foles on the shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> Funny, but yeah. they have nothing to do with one another, and Wentz is a way better player. Yeah. X is for Xerox copy of last year's Ravens. Um, this is a point of fascination to me, he writes. The league's most potent and prolific ground get attack refused to stand back, stand pat, spending a second-round pick on J.K. Dobbins. Um, Mark Ingram remains powerful, do-everything runner with Gus Edwards and Justice Hilter ready. The depth alone suggests all sorts of creative formations work by play caller Greg Roman. Yeah, I mean, you got to find that, ways I mean, to get them all on the field. Yeah, right. I mean, you got the. You I mean, I think Dobbins will take over, and they got a lot of good young talent, but it's young skill position talent. I yeah. mean, even Andrews isn't old, right? Why is for young Tua? Yeah, I'm really interested to watch Tua at the NFL level. Yeah, the really Dolphins. He says the Dolphins didn't exactly tank for Tua. They got a late season surge that left them uh, four teams: the Bengals, Washington, Lions, and Giants, with a chance to draft uh, Tagliavoa. Uh, but in the end, he wound up in Miami with the fifth pick. Yeah, it came out today that Fitz is going to start the season, which yeah. is no shock, by the way. It won't be long. Uh, Z is for zeitgeist-altering days to come. Zeitgeist? I don't know what that means. <laughs> that sounds sprechen Sie Deutsch to me, but I'm not sure what exactly that well, means. Well, here's the I explanation. Really that, so Beyond much. the inherently baffling nature of predicting football outcomes, real life has shoved its way in onto the scene. The NBA has thrived in a bubble Baseball has been a roller coaster ride, and we have no tangible idea of what football will look like two months from now. This feels ominous below the surface, but we swim together through historically heightened time. Nobody knows if this will work. I don't know. Andy Reid doesn't know. Chest thumping pundits don't know. Football, though, is pressing on and pushing forward toward us and us toward it, and away we go. Yeah, I mean, none of us know. I mean, I'm not going to pretend like I do, but. I think we're going to get a season. Sure seems like they're pushing it's forward. It's rolling pretty we good right now. We talked a lot about right. that in There's the first hour with those, with those increased uh, roster sizes and all yeah. those kind of things. That Lots of momentum going positive right now. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, again, there are going to be injuries. There's going to be things that happen, but football always is is back. But I think they're going to be playing football. Yeah, I mean, 12, uh, 12 padded practices left for every, at least. Now, if you heard this on opening night, they, the Chiefs said there's going to be 22,000 people in the stands. 22,000. Right. 
That which will be weird. You but think that'll so be what? a hot ticket in Kansas City? Right. <laughs> you think they're going to be a little lubed up for a night game, 22,000 in there? I don't know what 22,000 people would look like in the Chiefs parking lot because that parking lot is a sea of red Vast, and yeah. just barbecue everywhere. And they own all the, the lots around the stadium. Mm-hmm. And so you pull in, it's just all these, these tents. It's like a tent city. Um, and I don't think it'll be like loud for Deshaun Watson or anything either. I mean, it'll be kind of. I mean, it'll be nice to have a presence there. I'm glad there's we stand, people in the stands, but it's not going to be a normal game, right? Yeah, it's Strange. not going to be what they're used to. It's going to yeah. be more like a Division three game or Division right. two game or a pit game or a pit game. Uh, <laughs> Matt Williamson, former pit employee, said that. Oh man, I'm Dale Lolly. He is Matt Williamson. You're listening to the Training Camp Report here on Steelers Nation Radio. Mike Tallman uh, talked to the media after practice, as we uh, referred to in the previous segment. Uh, we're going to hear from the Steelers head coach uh, right after these messages. Don't you go anywhere. Stay right here. We get to hear from Mike Tomlin uh, every day now that the training cramp practices have opened up to the media, and you know he can, as we referenced uh, with Mike uh, Pursuta earlier in the show, um, can get a little testy at times. Uh, sure, you know because he's asked the same questions over and over again, and you know it's you, old. Yeah, you, you kind of pick your spots with stuff. I don't typically ask him a lot of post-practice questions because. I know he's not going to say all. He's not going to get real specific with guys. He has a lot of energy on the field. He wants to get in and put his feet up and shower and do do whatever people do. You know, I mean, yeah. it, it's a little bit of an inconvenience, I'm sure. And of course, he's used to it. But, yeah, but you know, uh, he has been a little more to get him. open uh, this, during this uh, this camp and everything. Uh, so we're going to hear what uh, Mike Tomlin had to say to the media. Uh, after practice today, Steelers training camp media availabilities are presented by your neighborhood Ford store. The Ford F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, let's hear from Steelers head coach Mike Tomlin right now. Good afternoon. Another big day for us as we find our footing in this training camp setting. A couple of things. We, we rotated a few veteran players out today. Um, we'll be doing that some throughout this camp and we'll spread it out among the veteran group is not only about the preservation of the veteran player, it's probably more importantly about the accelerated maturation of the younger guys. Um, When you give Ebron a day off, you get to see more of some of the young guys at the tight end position, for example. When you give Bill and Waver a day off, you get a chance to see more of the young tackles um, play their position. So uh, we'll continue to do that. Um, It's dual purpose. It's good for all parties involved. And and it aids the evaluation process for us. Um, had a couple of injuries today. Um, both guys are being evaluated, don't know the extent of it. Kevin Dotson uh, had a knee injury that's being evaluated. Uh, he was able to walk off, but he is being evaluated. And Dax Raymond looked like he rolled his ankle there at the end of a competition period. He's being evaluated as well. Hopefully we'll get those guys back to us sooner rather than later. But we acknowledge that, you know, bumps and bruises, unfortunately, are part of this process. we got to work our tails off and try to be as professional as we can in the effort to minimize uh, as much as that as we can. I'll open it up for questions. Here you now. Go ahead, Mark. Okay. Um, Mark, said, what's Terrell, up? How you doing, Mike? Um, Good. Terrell Edmonds made a couple of nice plays in the passing game yesterday, a couple of nice plays in the run game uh, today. Um, how important is it for him to get off to a good start and be able to uh, make some more plays that he has in the past couple of seasons? You know, it's a collective effort for us on the back end. Uh, much like offensive line play, uh, it is a collection 
uh, of the individuals. And so he's a significant component of that. We got to keep a lid on it collectively. And um, that unit has to operate as just that a unit. Uh, it's good that he's making some plays, but from a unit standpoint, uh, we're challenging the secondary collectively. Next up, Brooke Pryor. Brooke, go ahead. Hey, Mike, we saw uh, you give Ola some high praise during uh, one of those drills. Looked like he was really um, getting after it, had good energy. Looks like he's being a leader, too. What have you seen out of his progression? Again, I know it's early in camp, but just early returns on, on his improvement. You know, he showed up in great condition and ready to work, and that's always the first uh, thing that you notice. Uh, he'll continue to write the story of his overall readiness through his performance, but so far, so good. Okay, next up, Jerry Dulac. Jerry, go ahead. Mike, hi. Um, how, um, what, do, what do you see or think when you see a guy like Ben, a vet, uh, help a rookie like Dotson off the field such as he did? You know, he's just a, he's a teammate, man. He's been there, you know. Um, you know, he, he's been down on the field before. He knows the, the fear associated with that. Dotson's a young guy trying to make this football team, and, you know, oftentimes the fear of the injury is worse than the injury itself. And he just he just is just doing what considerate, thoughtful leaders do uh, in terms of, you know, helping him uh, work through that. Obviously, the medical experts handle the injury itself. But a guy in his position can relate to some of the things that maybe emotionally Dotson's feeling when 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 faced with what he was faced with today. OK, next up is Dajon from DK Pittsburgh Sports. Dajon, go ahead. Mike, when you see players, you talk about players maturing into their second and third years uh, and taking that next step. When you look at Ulysses Gilbert and the kind of the practice that he had today and some of the plays that he was able to make, where do you see his maturation right now? You know, I don't know the answer to that. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily characterize him as a second-year player because he missed so much time in year one. Hopefully because he's been a part of the program and been in the building, there's some – you know, residual benefits from it. But in terms of play or exposure to play, um, he hasn't experienced as nearly as much as some of the others in his class because of injury. Okay, next up, Will Graves from the Associated Press. Will, go ahead. Mike, one of the veterans you did not rotate out today was Ben. He was out there throwing again. I mean, was that by design or is there, are you guys doing this sort of a play it by ear thing? Just as um, we, we have a schedule for all of those guys and, you know, we adhere to the schedule. Next up, Jarrett Bell, USA Today. Jarrett, go ahead. Uh, just to follow up on that, Mike, um, what are your early impressions of of Ben physically and, and how he's come back? And, and can you give us a little more elaboration on what your approach is with him and his approach coming off the injury? I'll start with the second part of that question first. Um, I, I have very little reservations about the approach. He's been given full clearance from the medical experts, so I don't look at him and, and distribute reps based on the fact that he's coming off an injury. Really, we're taking the same rhythm in terms of preservation of his arm that we always have in a training camp-like setting in terms of the amount of work that he's done. Um, my impressions are what they were. I think the last time I spoke to you guys last week, um, it just hadn't been a lot of work as of yet for me to, you know, to have a significant impression. I like his velocity. Um, I acknowledge that I have seen his spiral tighter, but I also acknowledge that it's August and we got roughly a month before we step into a stadium. So, so we'll all keep working. Next up, Aditi from NFL Network. Aditi, go ahead. 
Hi, Coach. Juju himself and several other guys have talked about Juju suddenly being the veteran in that room, being a leader. But when you look at Chase Claypool, James Washington, Deontay Johnson, can they push him? Are they pushing him? What's the nature in that room right now? You know, it's a bunch of young guys in that room. Some of those guys are so worried about, you know, their responsibilities from an assignment standpoint and making sure that they're on the details, that that's not a relevant discussion for them. Claypool is just trying to figure out how we function here and his place in it. Some of those other guys who have been here and had roles, obviously, um, is moving up or moving out. And I'm sure they got a desire to expand their capabilities in terms of helping us win football games. And, and so I expect those guys to do that. Last one, Joe Rudder from the Trib. Joe, go ahead. Hi, Mike. Uh, how has uh, Stephon Tewitt looked from a health standpoint? And is he being managed any differently this camp than in, in any other year? He is not. Again, he's a guy that's been given full medical clearance, so I have little to no reservations about management of reps from him from that perspective. Uh, he's just getting his, his legs back on, on the ground, if you will, um, being out of football as long as he's been. I'm sure he's excited about being out there. He and I did have that discussion yesterday. In terms of some of the detailed execution of some of the fine motor skills, associated with play that'll be a work in progress that was Steelers head coach Mike Tomlin talking about uh talking to the media after practice today uh running over the injuries the kind of mm -hmm. stuff that happened out there and uh, as well, Mike said he's been real accessible for you guys and right yeah we're so, into it uh we're gonna take a break when we come back we're gonna hear from Vance McDonald and Vance McDonald yeah. had lots of good stuff to say today the Steelers tight end uh, met with the media earlier this afternoon, and uh, we'll get to that interview right after this on the Training Camp Report. Steelers Training Camp media availabilities are presented by your neighborhood Ford store. The Ford F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers, and uh, Matt uh, Vance McDonald uh, not fretting the addition of Eric Ebron. To, no, they're the different style yeah. players. I, I, yeah, they're both TEs, but and maybe and we and we've been talking about this for a long time with Vance. I mean, I don't think he needs to be a or should be a ninety percent snap count type guy. Yeah, you I know? mean, you know that that's what uh, I was told. Uh, Randy Feekner told me that Two last ago, last training ago, camp yeah, at right. this at this time, right around this time, that hey, we don't want to to play Vance full-time. Mm -hmm. We want him to be a, you know, a, a, a part-time player in terms of maybe 50% of the snaps. They're going to use both of these guys. They're going to use both of them at the same time yeah. on occasion. Um, but they're going to be cognizant of the fact that, you know, that position does get beaten up a little bit and, you know, you, you want the, we want these guys available, but uh, keep them fresh. Yeah. A bounce so, back year for him would go a long way. Oh we, yeah. It would be huge for the Steelers. And if they can get uh, solid play out of both, Ebron and McDonald, uh, they would be a, a formidable team on offense, to be sure. Let's hear what Vance McDonald had to say uh, earlier today with the assembled media. Vance, um, besides the obvious Ben Roethlisberger coming back, how might your offense improve this season? Yeah, um, I think a lot of it has to do with just timing. Um, you know, uh, again, when you when you have a quarterback step in uh, that you're not used to working with, whatever. Uh, with Mason and Duck last year interchangeably. Um, there's just timing. There's, uh, you know, things that that you normally don't have to focus on with Ben, such as, you know, camaraderie, what to expect here, communication and routes. It all changes. 
Um, you know, every quarterback has their different style. So with Ben back, um, obviously it's going to be the biggest point of emphasis, I think, for our offense moving forward into the season. Um, you know, I, I'm not afraid to say, you know, as he goes, we all go. And so um, I'm loving what I'm seeing from him. But as far as, you know, new weapons, I love Eric. Um, he's been so fun to be around uh, in, you know, the short time he's been here. Uh, I love, obviously, his playmaking ability at tight end. <clears throat> So it'll be really awesome to see him fit in. And uh, obviously, everyone is going to thrive with Eric on the field simply because of the threat that he is. And he's going to have to pull, you know, a certain bit amount of attention from the defense. So I think it'll be fun uh, definitely seeing what he can do this year. All right, we'll move on to Mike Prezuda. Mike, go ahead. Vance, can you just uh, follow up on uh, why you love Ben? Uh... Where, what are you seeing? Uh, what is encouraging you? And how close do you think he is to quote unquote all the way back? Um, I mean, I would say he's all the way back for sure. Um, I, I think I, I touched on this, you know, in an earlier interview, but Ben, <coughs> Ben, this is the fourth year I've been here, and this is the, f this is the first, not the first time, but this is the most I've ever seen Ben. Uh, in terms of his hunger for winning a championship, not to say that he didn't have it in the past, but like I can respect the idea or, or, you know, the assumption that, you know, being down last season made it all more real for him and uh, being able to go through, uh, you know, a very heavy surgery for a quarterback thrower such as him um, and to be where he is right now, like it's made him so hungry and like the, the way that he attacks the day um, is just, different than I've seen him, you know, since I got here in 2017. So um, I'm loving the leadership from him. I'm loving, um, again, just that hunger and the fire. And it's, I think that it, you uh, will notice that trickle down to the entire offense um, as you see us kind of get starting rock and rolling here. Um, obviously, you know, first day of pads yesterday, but guys are just like, you know, just flocking to him. Um, again, the hunger is real from Ben. Uh, you know, definitely, obviously, probably because he missed last year. And uh, I think he just, man, it's awesome to see him come out every single day. Um, it's awesome to see that Ben, um, especially definitely having him back there. Uh, it's been really fun so far with him. All righty, we'll move on to Brooke Pryor of ESPN. Go ahead, Brooke. Hey, Vance, sorry about that delay. Um, you had a pretty physical catch over uh, Terrell Edmonds yesterday in practice. Did you do anything differently this offseason to work on conditioning and training, especially, you know, not having OTAs or, or anything else here as a team? I did nothing different. Um, obviously, other than just being able to come into the facility, um, I tried to incorporate everything that I normally do. <coughs> I had an isolated location, obviously, with COVID. Uh, I could joke and say that I um, was throwing my kids up 20 feet in the air and catching them, but uh, that's about, uh, you know, joking aside that I really didn't do honest, anything, anything different. I told Eric yesterday, I joked with him, and I said, you were the missing link. Uh, Eric gets here and makes all these, you know, great plays at tight end, and it's just only going to elevate, I think, not only myself, but um, everyone on the field. So I'll just take that joke and run with it. Eric's the missing piece. So expect me to dunk on everyone this year now that we have Eric on our team. All right, we'll move on to Jarrett Bell. Jarrett, go ahead. Hey, Vance, how you doing? Doing well, thank you. Good. 
Hey, I'm, I'm curious about um, how our players will react to playing in half empty or totally empty stadiums. They're, you know, team by team, a lot of um, uh, differences unfolding now in terms of what the stadium capacity will be. What does it mean to you to play in front of a live audience and how do you think that's going to affect the, the game? Yeah, I, I have just like a lot of conversations about this topic, actually just with friends, like during the off season, um, you know, even, even my wife, like I just, I think, uh, you know, as I just look at it very bait, like very generally, like there's, I think players either fit in two categories, obviously there's different extremes of, you know, those categories, but either, either the crowd and the noise and the anxiety and in all the arousal that that brings about is good for the player and they thrive with that energy and excitement, or it is a huge distraction. And so um, I find myself getting a little, um, I don't know, I, I, I try to describe it like when I'm playing in front of a huge crowd, it only hurts me. I, I would say for me personally, um, not to say that after a big catch or, you know, a physical hit where I come out ahead, it's not electrifying to have, you know, a stadium roar for you in that moment. But I just think overall, you're going to have players that really suffer from that because they have to, they rely on that excitement. They rely on that momentum um, from the stadium and the crowd and the fans. And then you have other players that it's just going to allow them to play in such an objective space um, where their assignment sound, their technique sound, because literally all they're thinking about is the man in front of them. They're not, they're not having to fight noise, this and that. And so I think, you know, just, from a very general perspective, that that's kind of the case, I think, this year. And I guess that's my take on it. All righty, let's go to Jerry Dulac. Jerry, go ahead. Hey, hey Vance, uh, not to beat the Ben thing to death, but um, when you first saw him throw, were you surprised at how good he looked and, have you, and how have you just generally seen his progress in the three or so weeks here so far? Yeah, there was a, a couple of times um, – during the off season that uh, we held kind of an offsite uh, practice. Um, and I can remember, I can remember being around some of the guys and just like watching them. And you could tell he was, he was really interested in trying to like push uh, not necessarily like the limitations, but to just like push um, some of his throws and some of his arm action uh, to test it. And I don't know whether to build confidence or whatever it is at that point of his, uh, his rehab or recovery but he was making some insane throws like all of his back foot cross field, you know, to like Deontay Spencer, just like running, uh, or sorry, Deontay Johnson, just like running throughout the end zone to like the back pylon. And I just remember like in that moment thinking like, golly, like he is really, he is really back. Like it's just crazy and awesome to see, um, you know, cause Ben and I were close. I mean, I have share a locker next to him. I know how frustrated he was last year. You know, I know how bad it killed him to know that, that you know, the, the thing that was bothering him in the Seattle game was as bad as it ended up being and that it required surgery and stuff. And so I, you just think about, like, that's months and months and months of this piled up energy, anxiety, stress, frustration, I mean, everything. And then you get to the moment where you're finally around his teammates again, you know, having, you know, spent the entire offseason, you know, getting to a point where he's actually starting to throw. And he all of a sudden, he's just like this cannon and he's just ready to explode and ready to go and shoot. 
And uh, you get us all out there on that field, and uh, it was so fun to see. I, I, I distinctly remember talking to some of the receivers. I was talking to Eric, too. Like, dude, this is so fun to see Ben like this. Like, he's pushing his arm to the limits, like just really, you know, really, you know, testing to see what it can do and, and obviously having like a really fun time because everything was a positive note on that day. And so it was really cool to see. All righty, let's go to Tim Benz. Tim, go ahead. Vance, one thing, uh, one area where the team could probably be better this year is getting off to a faster start. Uh, September's have been a bit of a challenge for you guys over the past few years. Have the coaches emphasized taking what you're working on in training camp so far and applying it faster? And uh, how hard is that given the herky-jerky nature of the workouts in the training camp this year? Yeah, I, um, you know, Coach Tomlin's been preaching this message in meetings and things like that, and there's a certain – there's a certain expectation and it's different for every individual coach and player of where you're supposed to be, you know, what's today, August 18th. And so it's really important to settle your mind uh, more or less because everyone is on an even playing field. And again, like this is something coach Thomas talks about every single day. Like we can't run around with our heads on fire thinking we're super behind because everyone's behind. Um, yes, the workouts are, you know, wacky and unexpected and, and, you know, frankly, it's a learning, it's a new learning curve for, for everyone. Um, again, because of the, just the COVID restrictions on training camp, even like it makes our days different. So everyone's going to kind of, you know, on their toes a little bit, but at the same time, um, you know, we have to take advantage. And that's the other message that coach Tom preaches. You have to take advantage of this moment because a team that doesn't take, um, you know, the wild and, and strange training camp and the, all the, the lack of reps that they missed in the offseason, they don't take that seriously and they expect to roll into week one, um, you know, and shake the, you know, shake the dust off, the rust off really quickly, I think are the ones that are going to get kind of caught with their, you know, their hands up. So I, uh, I like that message. I like, you know, it's a great reminder every single day to know that, you know, hey, we don't have to freak out because we, you know, lost – I don't forget how many reps he said, like 600 reps or something like that during an off season. You don't have OTAs and you don't have a mini camp and everyone is under that same, that same pressure, that same lens. And so um, taking that approach every single day is super important, but at the same time, <clears throat> knowing that every single rep is that much more important or every single period is that much more important to emphasize, Hey, this might be the only time we see this look until we get to, uh, you know, game one versus, you know, seeing a couple of times over OTAs and a training camp. It's tough, but again, that reminder that everyone's under the same lens is, is I think, is valuable. All right, let's move on to Dejan. Dejan, go ahead. Vance, when you there's going to be a lot of focus and a lot of emphasis, obviously, on Ben being back. But when you look around at the rest of this offense, yourself included, the tight end position, the running backs, the wide receivers, what possible be this offense not to be very good, not just improved over last year, but very good. Yeah. I mean, I completely agree. Like I, that, at, at, you know, the eighth year of my season, I've been around a lot of receivers and, you know, obviously the, the NFL is, has a ton of moving parts and there's a bunch of guys, you know, coming and going all the time. And so you end up seeing a ton, a ton of talent, a ton of potential, um, but yeah, man, when I just look at 
when I just look at our receiver room, like <clears throat> it's crazy. You know, Juju to me is always like just young Juju, but like at the same time, he's not young anymore. In fact, he's the veteran of the room. Um, but you just see like guys, Juju, Deontay, James, Switz. Um, uh, who else am I missing? Anyway, it's just like, it's crazy. They all have their niches. They all have, uh, you know, the things that they excel at. Obviously, James is just, he's the best ball, you know. He, he can go get the ball anywhere in the air, and it's crazy to watch him. Deontay runs unbelievable routes. Juju is just Juju. Um, it's fun to see, you know, Chase Claypool and just seeing some of the things that he's capable of doing. And I just think, like, exactly like you said, like, there's no reason with Ben at the helm, you know, back to 100%, back being Ben with this crazy hunger for going and winning it all. Like, I just don't ever see us uh, not having just a very explosive offense. You know, then you go into our backfield and you look at James Conner and Jalen Samuels. You look at what some of the other guys stepped in and did last year, and it's just like not only is there going to be a hard decision in that room for, like, the, the third back, but you have, like, dual threat backs that can line up in a slot like Jalen and James both. I mean, they're receiving threats and running threats the same way Le'Veon was when I first got here. And you just have two complete backs in those first two guys. And then you look at the addition of Eric and it's just, yeah, I mean, all around you, there's no, there's no way that I could ever, you know, objectively, you know, remove me from the fact that I'm a Steeler, but like, I just don't see how our offense uh, cannot be super productive uh, and, you know, be one of the top offenses in the NFL. So I think uh, the excitement is obviously, you know, everywhere here in our building. Um, the potential of what we know that we can we can reach, uh, the numbers that we know that we can put up, um, you know, obviously we're we're excited. And, you know, again, we had to like, keep a lid on it too because we obviously had a weird offseason. So you get back to camp and, um, you know, everything's being rushed and everyone's really excited, ready to, to jump around. But at the same time, it's like these COVID limitations are kind of crazy. So we're taking what we can get, though. All right, we got time for a couple more. Let's go to Chris Adamski. Chris, go ahead. Hey, Vance, I don't know if you're going to type the set goals or not, um, but one thing, you haven't done a lot of things in your career. You haven't played all 16 games of a season. Is that something you strive to do? And is there anything you can do for that? Or is it just like, hey, it's bad luck, it sucks, but I, I, you know, I, I haven't been able to do that yet. And has there been any frustration? That sometimes it seems like a lot of times in Pittsburgh, you've got momentum, a few good games, and you have to sit out a game or something. Has that been a source of sort of consternation in your mind, in your career? Yeah, I mean – Obviously, uh, and I didn't honestly hear this until I got here, uh, you know, having my position coach, J.D., and then Coach Tomlin also say it, like, availability is everything. And, um, you know, guys, if you watch enough film, I mean, guys kind of have, like, you know, different mentalities. Either A, they're going balls to the wall all the time, or B, they play conservatively on some snaps. And the conservative guys um, will make it through a lot of seasons. I mean, playing every single game. And I, uh, I like to think the fact that I'm just not out of control, but just almost a little bit crazy that that's caused some injuries in the past. But at the same time, like the NFL is a hundred percent injury rate. Um, definitely there's a couple of times where I just got the, the short stick and, you know, whether it's a collision or just, I mean, just take San Francisco last year. Like, you know, I, I got knocked out of two games because of an AC sprain, and the AC sprain from came from just a, just a crazy freak play. Like, I go up and try to make a, a play on a ball, and a safety tries down and hits me in the shoulder. Like, I can't do anything about that. 
in fact, I can't see the guy coming because he's, he's, my back is to him and I'm literally just up in the air, you know, and as a defensive receiver. So there's collisions like that that you can't get around in football. And obviously it's not something that I just sat around. It's like, hey, let's be conservative. I don't want to play this week because I don't feel great. No, it's I'm not 100%. And the guy behind me is 100%. And his 100% is better than my 60%. And so it's just one of those things at the end of the day that you wait it throughout the week. And it's like, can you contribute to the team? Sure. But is the guy next to you ready to go? Does he know his assignments? And can he contribute better? Yes. So let's just sit out. So it's just it's a give and take thing. It's obviously frustrating. I definitely want to be able to play 16 games before, you know, I would call retirement. Like I would love to have that goal. I would love to have that box check, but at the same time, I'm not going to get down and put too much weight on the fact that I haven't played 16 games where it's going to cloud my day, you know, bring me down, um, you know, mentally or anything like that. Obviously it's a goal I'm working for. Availability is everything. Um, but at the same time, like I, I just want to contribute every single day and get better every single day, regardless of what it ever ends up happening. All right, we'll uh, wrap it up with Will Graves. Will, go ahead. Hey, Vance, just to sort of piggyback off what Jared asked you earlier about the crowds and stuff. In a weird way, might it be an advantage for teams that don't traditionally have the fan support that you guys might if you're playing in <laughs> a team that doesn't is not used to having 70,000 people there? That it might be a more or less of an adjustment for, for them than it might be for y'all? Yeah, like – and. So again, like, like I said earlier, I, I had a lot of conversations just about this, and that was one of the things we definitely touched on. Like, think of a team, think of a team that, uh, like you're saying, doesn't have a whole lot of home fan support, and you know, it might be in a popular travel area where they get a lot of fan support, like with visiting teams, and it's like they're at a disadvantage, even in their home stadium. And so, again, you're just removing all of those those variables, those moving parts. And I think, um, you know, I don't. I don't know what the rules are either about pumping in sound, you know, for those stadiums that are, that are uh, empty or, you know, whatever it is that we're going to see whenever we get to that, that point of the season. But um, it's obviously going to, it's obviously going to play a role in football. Like, and again, you, you just zoom out and you look at all the things that it could possibly affect. You're talking snap counts, you're talking defensive communication, you're talking signals. Um, I mean, every single thing that noise you know, amplifies or it restricts, right? Like, so if a corner or a safety or a linebacker or something like that, you know, with a ton of fan noise, they have to put a lot of energy in making sure that the calls or adjustments are being echoed to the entire defense rather than just saying it one time and all of a sudden you're freed up to look at the quarterback. So in our example, you're looking at Ben and you're looking at all the signals Ben could possibly be giving our receivers. Are you looking at all the things that the whole line was saying? So it's like everything happens faster and more efficiently, you know, in terms of communication without that noise. And it may free you up to, to, you know, get a read or, or to try to anticipate what the offense or what the defense is doing. And on the flip side of that too, like you're saying, like you may have to go into a, a week where, dude, you are putting so much emphasis on a snap count or a silent count as an offense. And now all of a sudden, like you sure are freed up during that week a lot more because there's no more emphasis on that. And now we got to work on our communication. Now we got to work, you know, we can, we can apply that that time spent on our snap count or whatever we're going to do that week for cadence and, and move it over here. So it's, there's, like I said, there's so many different ways you can look at it, just like you touched on. Some teams might not necessarily have that home crowd advantage um, and that noise that, that other teams do like us here at the Steelers. And so I think, again, you just it's just going to be way more of an even playing field in that, in that regard. So um, obviously, like I said, it's going to affect the game one way or another. It'll be interesting to see how it happens and plays out throughout the season. 
That was Steelers tight end Vance McDonald with the media earlier today. Uh, lots of good stuff there from Vance. Yeah, really. And we mentioned going into it, you know, that a bounce back year for the tight end for him would go a long way. And we often say this about the quarterback position: if they go from bottom of the league production to middle of the road, the same is true a tight end. I mean, right. in terms yeah. of production, it was really, really it poor. It was bleak last yeah. year. And, and if they can get uh, solid contributions from those guys, really. Whoever the three tight ends are on the Just roster. Just the combination, yeah. right, yeah, that whole position. Um, yeah, I mean, again, in 2018, they had the best tight end production in team history. Last year was not that. No, it was about the worst in the league, right, yeah. there with the Bears and the Pats, yeah. So, uh, But that's going to do it for our show today. So for Matt Williamson, uh, for Mike Pursuta, who joins us in the first hour, for Wesley Euler here playing the uh, tunes for us all day long and keeping this uh, thing rolling on the air, uh, I'm Dale Lally. We appreciate you listening to this edition of the Training Camp Report here on Steelers Nation Radio.